hello friends and welcome to the kudzu radio hour this is kudzu radio hour number 123 this podcast was recorded on saturday october 3rd 2020 the subject of today's discussion is six string masters uh each of our guys on the panel are going to recommend or list their five favorite guitar players of any genre that should be interesting um there's so many great guitar players all different styles so again it's gonna be hard to narrow it down it'll be interesting to see what everybody everybody comes up with um kudzu radio hour is brought to you by that little old band from los angeles called the box masters and they have a brand new album coming out very soon called light rays it's already getting great reviews and it hasn't even come out yet it got delayed because of the covid just like their tour uh, their summer tour had to be put off to next summer but it's going to come back and uh we'll be over everything i'm very optimistic um they're going to tour the united states and europe in the summer of 21. Um, the new album has already spawned three singles satellite guy breathe easy and light rays and they have a fourth single out now called learn to be learn to be in my opinion this is the band's best album yet it's going to be available not only on cd and downloads but also on high quality vinyl how many people love vinyl raise your hands okay i see Ricky and Bobby and Sue. Yeah, a lot of people love it. That's great. Uh, I do too. Um, anyway, more on the Boxmasters, their tour, their albums, everything at theboxmasters.com. And follow them on uh, social media like Facebook and Instagram. The uh, Kudzu Radio Hour is also brought to you by the fine folks at Springer Mountain Farms. Fresh chicken, responsibly raised on family farms. Never any antibiotics or hormones or steroids or any of that junk. Uh, they uh, Chickens are fed a natural diet and they turn out uh, perfect, just perfect. It's the best chicken that you'll ever eat, I guarantee you. Um, Springer Mountain Farms, look for the logo. Uh, you, can find, you can find in your local grocery store i mean i always hit the uh frozen meat section to get the boneless chicken breasts and you get a big old bag of those things and it lasts you a good little while it's good on the grill man it's just really good all the way around learn more about them at springermountain.com springermtn.com as i like to say springer mountain is not only good for you but it's really, really, really superior tasting. I want to remind you that the current issue of Kudzu is out. It's free. It's, uh, it's a bunch of reading, a bunch of pages. Uh, it got uh, a, a, an exclusive interview cover story on a songwriter from Muscle Shoals that everybody knows named Dan Penn. Uh, Georgia Thunderbolts are in there, all kinds of stuff. Um, a, a tribute to our friend Charlie Daniels. Just tons and tons of stuff in that issue. 
You can find it at kudzumag.com. K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G. Kudzumag.com. Yeah, check it out. If at any time you want to write to us about the radio show or the magazine or anything, or just say, hey, write to kudzumag at yahoo.com. Again, it's K-U-D-Z-O-O-M-A-G, kudzumag at yahoo.com. And we hope to hear from you for sure. Well, we're going to kick things off today. I've been wanting to do this for a while, and uh, I think we just need to play a song by one of our one, one, my partner in crime here on the radio program, Mr. Billy Eli. He's done some really, really great albums and recordings. And I'm going to play one from my top 10 Billy songs. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do. This is Billy Eli, and the song is called Cheese Enchiladas. So get yourself a beer and some enchiladas and settle back and listen to our uh, the rest of our podcast i'll have everybody in here with me right after this song from billy thanks guys we were sitting down in houston we saw a preacher on tv he told us that the world is ending well Oh, I looked over at Mudbone And he looked back at me He said, if hell's at hand You better understand Santa's where I want to be And we'll be eating Cheese and gelatins With jalapenos on the side The pretty girls with the belly rings And waking down the river Rolling by we got the hot mariachi, so let's have another shot of Patron. And if the devil wants to take us, he's gonna have to come to San Antonio. So I climbed up in my old pickup. And Mudbone said he'd drive We weren't really all that worried The devil's been after us all of our life So when the devil gets in Houston And he finds us already gone Well you can tell him for us And if he catches a bus We'll pick him up in San We'll be cheese and gelatin with happy. 
folks, that of course was the unexplainable Billy Eli himself and cheese enchiladas, one of my favorite Billy songs. Uh, I want you, speaking of Billy, I want you guys to please welcome to the program as you as usual my top three guitar players of all time. Well, yeah, okay, Billy Eli, mostly acoustic. <laughs> Patrick Beach and Jim Hemphill. Hi, guys. Hey. Howdy, Buff. Hey, man. I, I actually, I know that they're all guitar players. I don't think I've heard uh, Beach play yet, but he must be good. Damn, boy, how I wish I could say that. Well, we'll be, we'll be able to remedy that when our record comes out. But Yeah, that's right. Y'all got a new one coming out. Thanks, thanks for playing that Billy song. I think it's one of my favorites, too. I'm not sure about the guitar playing on it. but uh, Well, the guitar the player was, was pretty good. I think he was drunk. but um... Well, I'm sure, <laughs> I know I'm sure I know he, he was, was drunk. drunk. <laughs> I can, I can guarantee, guarantee you he was drunk. But anyway. <laughs> That was uh, one of the first songs I ever heard Billy sing. Was that, and, uh, and I just thought it was a really cool song. In fact, that whole album is really good. But <laughs> so, so he's got nobody to blame but himself on this deal. Hey man, how's everything in the Sparkle City? Uh, it's fair to Midland. I tell you, it's a. It seems like people are. This weekend we're having the greatest weather because it's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's like a three bears, uh, Goldilocks and the three bears thing. It's not too hot or not too cold. And, um, the sun is out and it's going to be out all weekend. So it's like one last hurrah before, you know, the ice comes. Right. So it's pretty good. And then, you know, everybody's, uh, everybody's talking at me. I don't hear a word they're saying. Um, only the echoes uh, of my mind. I, I swear to God, I did not think we could devolve any more than we already. Well, had. you know, it, just when you just when you think it's as low as you can go, you can always it's, go it's, lower. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful down here in Austin too. It's perfect Austin City Limits festival weather. I can't wait to get downtown in a couple hours. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I tell you, uh, yeah, I I love. The three times I no four times I've been to Austin, I enjoyed all four of them, especially last the last time when we were recording. Uh, it was great. Before you that, I've been there for three years. Year too. That that was in the fall. The the worst of the heat was kind of past us, right? Yeah, it was nice out there. We walked in that really park nice. where Stevie Ray is. Uh, what do they call that place? That's Auditorium, Auditorium Shores. Shores. Yeah, it was nice. That that's where they have ACL Fest today. Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> It was, it was neat to see Stevie. Uh, it was a great, that's a great statue. And then uh, we just had a good time. And before that, I'd been there three times for um, the South by Southwest Mayhem, which was, uh, you know, it's good when you got a press pass and they just let you in everything free. I like that. Yeah. But I got like over, you know, sometimes there is a point where you can, where you can have too much of a good thing. Uh, it's like these box sets that have 12 albums or going to South by Southwest where there's something every minute that you want to be. And then there's three things every minute that you want to be at. Yeah, for sure. So it's, for it's, sure. Like, it's so much that, that it's overwhelming. But, that, you know, alcohol you, helps. You, you talk, you're talking about the thing where there's... You, you there'll be a two hours where there's not anything you particularly want to see and then there'll be you know 
five things that you want to see, and they all start within five minutes of each and other. And all in different parts but of the of, city, yeah. Well, that was, one of my favorite things has always been working out the zigzag where it's like, okay, there's an hour between, I want to see this show and this show, and there's an hour between them, which, you know, sounds like a lot, but I got to get across, across town. To me, it's kind of like playing a video game, and you got you to gotta map your route, and you got to allow for, yeah. oh, well, for that, you can, for that route, you got to go. You got to go by this venue, and Bruce Springsteen's going to be at this venue then. So fuck <laughs> that. Go around. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's it's a lot of it's it, yeah. It's a lot more mentally stimulating than you would think. I, I, what I remember about what I remember most about South by Southwest, and we should do a whole show on that. But the uh, I just remember. So. I mean, there were things that were just kind of magical because you would go to some sleazy bar and you would see somebody like Will Kimbrough or somebody that just like extreme talent playing. You know, I remember going to one of them and it was Bill Kirchin and his bass player and his drummer. And it was some tiny little bar and it just was like one of the greatest shows I ever saw in my life. That I mean, there's the something every time you turn around, though. It was great. I miss it. I miss that and the um, Americana festivals in Nashville that I used to go to. Uh, well, it's all happy memories now. I don't think I, I don't know that I could even handle that kind of thing now with the uh, health and nerves and everything. But anyway, all that being said, guys, I told you last week I was going to spring a game on you, so I want to do that now. I'm calling it the high fidelity game for obvious reasons, because it's kind of uh, what they were doing in the movie High Fidelity, where they would say uh, five greatest love songs ever. But we're not doing love songs. But uh, I'm gonna give uh, each of you a topic, and I want you to spout off five answers as quick as you can, without even really thinking about it, and you don't really have to, you know. Uh, say why? It just—it's just kind of like a, a, a sort of like a psychology test, I guess. So I'm gonna start with Patrick Beach. Okay. It's a, it's a random. It's just a random thing. Um, and I want to ask uh, Patrick Beach for the top five album covers of all time. Album cover designs. Go, Patrick. Ah, uh, Kiss Destroyer. Oh, oh good yeah. one. Uh, physical Graffiti. Ooh, yeah, interesting. Uh, Warehouse Songs and Stories by Who's Gurdu. Oh, yeah. That's three. Uh, how much time do I have left? Oh, uh, well, just... just quick as you can the replacements the replacements let it be okay that's four and uh the white album uh understated but great yeah all right well that's good good patrick you didn't you could be the first one thank you for that you get a You'll be getting a an official Jack Black uh, bumper sticker. No, oh, no, I don't. For <laughs> that, you get absolutely nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. Just the pride of knowing that you made it through without sounding stupid. I'll now, get nothing, and I'll like it. 
<laughs> well, okay. Next one we're going to do is Billy Eli. Oh my gosh, it should be interesting. Same, uh, same question then, right? No, no, totally yeah. different question. Your what question is, is Billy, I want you to name the top five singers of all time, man or woman, any kind. Singers. Damn. Uh, Bob Dylan. <coughs> yeah. And I'm, not, and I, and I'm not, and I'm not making a joke. You got to be really damn good to be that bad and do that well. Yeah. I mean, uh, you yep. know, it, it, it's, yep. it, it, it's not conventional, but you can't say it's bad. No, yep. I love it. Burton Cummings from the Guess Who. One oh. of the best pipes yeah. I have He's ever heard of the singer anywhere. Yeah. And man, y'all are gonna kill me for this. Sure, Taylor Swift. And, and I and I and I'm gonna deserve it. I, I, but uh, Steve Perry from Journey. Don't like the band. Don't like the material. But goddamn, he can sing. Yep, uh, that's the yep. truth. Lady Gaga. Oh yep. my gosh. Good choice. Oh, yep. Hey Good man, choice. I, and I mean and. The, and except for Dylan, all the ones, all the ones I picked so far, man, it's it's like they're classically trained to, to be classically trained singers. Uh, they're they're not self-taught like so many. And for a self for a self-taught, and this is kind of low-hanging fruit. So if <laughs> if y'all want to rag on me for this, that's fine. But Patsy Cline, I'm sure. Uh, well, I mean, rag, that's that, a wonderful it, voice. Yeah. She she really did, and uh, and man, she, you know, she worked in a country genre, but she did a great torch song. She did a great jazz standard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and uh, and and I think that there's something to people that can do genres like that. I mean, all of us, all of us here on this panel are, are musicians and singers to some degree, and we can all do the trick we do pretty well to some degree. But man, I, I can't go to crossing genres. I, I can do I can do honky tonk and, and 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 that's it, man. I mean, you know, if somebody said do a jazz standard, yeah, I'm glad we're on radios because y'all can't see, <laughs> y'all can't see the gesture I'm making. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah. You know, you know, and and uh, so yeah, and that's my choice. All right. Good, well, man. Well, this well, is going well, really well. I. I'm glad I got the two weak links out of the way before I got Jim. Uh, oh no, I, I, I'm I'm fixing to screw this up. No, you got you got it. Your yours is going to be easy for you. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Jim. I want you to name the top five songs of all time. Oh, Let, you know how Whoa. easy that is. Ooh, how many of them are the Dolls? Substitute the Who. Thunder yep. Road. I apologize. Who's gonna do? Yep. Wow. Favorite thing, the replacements. Yes. September Girls, Big Star. Oh, wow. yes. Good choice. Great choice. Dang. Number five, I'm going to have to say, this is this is the hardest one for yeah. me. I, uh, number five, I'm going to say, looking for a kiss, New York Dolls. Uh, I knew we had to have a doll yeah. song. Yeah. Just looking for a kiss. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, that's great. Wow, that was I love that. That was I a great added, uh, Now I want to be your dog by the Stooges. Yeah, yeah little Iggy never hurt anybody. Well, yet did. I, never mind. Jim, Jim, you should just sign off now. You're not going to sound any yeah, smart. That was, show. <laughs> that was a perfect list. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Really good. All right, man, Thank I'm tickled. You. 
All right, now, as if we haven't already exposed our listeners to some really strange stuff, uh, it's time to do our recommendations. (laughs) Yeah, recommendations of the album, book, and movie of the week, according to each of these folks that I will loosely define as gentlemen. And uh, I think I want to go go first. I actually made a list. Uh, That's great. That's great. Billy Eli going first. Yeah, and I never do that. I always have to wait and go after Pat because I've never make my list until I hear it. Yeah, sure. We noticed that. Yeah, but that's all right. Okay. Uh, So uh, we'll start with uh, an album, and this is an EP. And uh, I know Jim knows this one because I've turned him. I turned him on to it. Uh, Beautiful and Bright by Human Hands. Great record. It it is a great record. It's uh, it, it it's quirkly funky enough, you know, to qualify as like new wave post punk. It's uh, it, it's uh, but it's popsy. It's it's popsy enough that it, it's interesting to listen to. I actually think Dennis Duck is a, I think he's a better songwriter than that songwriter in that other band he's in. <laughs> so, uh. But what's a? I think it's six tunes, and uh, I I don't I, I can't remember the uh, the vocalist name, but he reminds me of the uh, uh, he reminds me of the Wall of Voodoo vocalist. He he he's not you know he, he's not like a great technical singer, but 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 it all works on the material, and uh, and Dennis wrote some really good songs there. Uh, you know, and so. what's the wall of Stan? What from Wall Stan of Blues? Ridgeway. That's Ridgeway. right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and you know how he sings in that? He, he, he part of his style is singing just slightly flat, like uh, like the uh, uh, what's a rock lobster band? B fifty twos. Yeah, their their guy that sings he he just sings a little flat. I mean, it's part of his style. It works for him, and uh. I don't. I can't remember the vocalist for Human Hands. Juan something, and I never met him. So I. Uh, but he, he's got that same kind of vocal style, and it just really works with that material. And uh, and and the production on it, the the performances on it by the musicians. It's, I don't know, man. It's like rudimentary pop garage stuff. And it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what year it came out. I know it's at least eight years old. But uh, it's a. It's a really good. Uh, it's a really good EP, and it's available on YouTube. You can check all of it out, and uh, and that's my album, my book. And I went with a Texas author, which I very rarely do, and and it's a uh, it's a author that I'm hit and miss on. Uh, it's uh, Larry McMurtry, and everybody knows him because of uh, Lonesome Dove and. You know, and it, it's funny. He's he's written some things that are that are just great, and he's written some things that I think is like, man, he must have just really needed the money, or <laughs> was really really bored. But his his first novel, uh, "All My Friends Are Going to Be Strangers," and he was not as good at storytelling at that phase in his career, in my opinion. But he was the story is not quite as good, but the writing is excellent. <laughs> And uh, it's he said uh, it's about Danny Deck, which later goes on to be what another half dozen of his books because he uses the same characters over and over. And uh, 
it's a set kind of in Austin and around Rice University, and it's uh, it's in the uh, set in the late sixties. Came on mail carriers dropping off the mail, and uh, yeah, I don't have email. That's good. So, <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah, I, has anybody besides me read it? I figured Pat and Jim probably had. I don't, don't know about Bud. I, I have not. It's a uh, it's it's real short and it's a real fast read and I'd recommend you checking it out and it when you read it you see you see elements of of uh it's cool when you're looking at somebody that has a, a career that long and has has done that many books you can see the elements the the beginnings of the elements of things that you're gonna see a lot of later in his books and that's kind of cool and uh and plus you know it's uh it's got that great title that's also the title of a Merle Haggard song. All my friends are gonna be strangers. Yep. Uh, uh my movie. And it's not uh it's a Netflix movie and it's uh I'm not sure if it's King or the King, but it's about Henry the Fifth and it's about the uh hmm. it's about the usurpation of the of uh King Richard the uh, the second's throne by uh by Henry the Fifth's father and 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 the conflict that that set up leading almost to a civil war in in uh england and then uh prince hal becoming king and the hundred years war in the battle of asian Corps and, and it's you know it's historical it's but there's it's pretty good the performances are good there's a lot of action it's, it's kind of long for a movie it's about two and a half hours but yeah it's no so those are my three choices love it nice Nice. Really and good. I actually made the list in advance. Man, I tell you, we, if, if, if we gave rewards, you'd get one, but we don't. So. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's right. So I get absolutely nothing. The same as right. Pat got <laughs> Patrick Beach, how about you next? Behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, for on this day, drive-by truckers have given us a new record, a brand new drive-by truckers record, actually Yay. yesterday. Yesterday, you can uh, you can stream it as of right now. It won't be physically available until December, but the record is called the New OK. The bulk of the tracks came from uh, the sessions at Sun Studios that that produced the Unraveling not quite a year ago, and it's not quite as downbeat as the Unraveling, but they damn sure have some things on their mind. There's a song on there of Pattinson's that's. Uh, very much inspired by George Floyd. Um, it's it's a really sort of an unflinching, unblinking look at America in the year of our Lord, 2020, and things are not looking real good to them. Unfortunately, uh, uh, Hood's pen had more ink in it this time than Cooley's did, so uh, Patterson Hood outrights him. But for the first time since, I think, Go-Go Boots about 10 years ago, somebody other than hood and Cooley sing and that's the bass player mike Patton. he contributes two vocal tracks including the kkk took my baby away which has long been a staple on their live set i really think it's cool in places it really sounds like uh an old school muscle shoals r&b album uh Cooley's first track has some awesome b3 on it and elsewhere there's horns and things like that stylistically it's a cousin to the last album and you understand 
hearing those two records back to back, why they cleaved them off. It's not quite the drastic difference as, say, uh, Sugar doing Beaster and Copper Blue. They're more similar than that, but they are different. And this record holds up really, really well. Available to stream right now if you buy and pre-order. My film is a two-part documentary that's also available for anybody who has somebody else's HBO subscription password. And that is... Uh, a new four-hour documentary by Alexander Gibney, who has more Emmys and Oscars than anybody. He's the best documentarian there is. And it's called Agents of Chaos, about uh, 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 systematic and long-running uh, interference in our elections by foreign powers and, and, and interests. And of course, this, this story is so huge and so unwieldy, and it's gone on for so long. How do you cover it? How do you cover it even in four hours? What he did is he assembled... Uh, a panel of investigators, a task force of reporters, former intelligence experts, uh, data security people, cops, you name it. And you get in a mere four hours, uh, the sweep of this problem, which is systemic and ongoing. And one thing that comes up time and again, <clears throat> is that if you're a player and if you have a weakness that can be exploited, a sex kink, a gambling problem, excessive debt. These people will exploit it and you'll be on the hook to them. So I have a, uh, I have a question about the thing you just said and, yeah. and we can talk about this later, but that you said them looking for looking for things like that to exploit, you know, mm -hmm. a sex kink, uh, a gambling habit, you know, debt, so, something, you know, drunken car crash, it killed somebody in your past, whatever. But man, I mean, seriously, who the hell doesn't have something? I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that used that's, to be that, that used to be the that used to be the the thing. Of, you know, that was for for years. You know, I mean, that was the thing of uh, that they the rationale they used to uh, to discriminate against homosexuality is that you were blackmailable if you were. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, man. I. I just and this is this is a tangent, but you you got me thinking about that with what you just said. Given that everybody has got something, damn it all just I mean, outside of pedophilia, it all just all be all right, more or less. Yeah. If it doesn't otherwise interfere with your job. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Everybody's got a chink in their armor. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh Oh, yeah, book. Uh, big caveat. I've not read this book because it's just out. And uh, several weeks ago, around the anniversary of 9-11, I mentioned Garrett Graff's book, uh, The Only Plane in the Sky. He's got one just out called Raven Rock. And the subtitle is something like The Secret History of the Government government's plan to save itself while everybody dies. <laughs> it's how it's how every every single day uh there's this uh, helicopter flight from Langley across the Potomac into Washington. They're doing a test run every single day with these high ranking officials to protect them in the event of a nuclear war, a catastrophic attack on our soils. Uh, just thinking off the top of my head, a pandemic. <laughs> Nobody knows about it. And this guy's, this guy's beat is national security and intelligence and i am certain it's going to be great but again caveat i haven't read it it's called raven rock and it sounds like it will scare the hell out of you
That's well, my three. Your description of it scared the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you got me interested in that too. Uh, I, I will say another one of the books that you sold to me <laughs> was that plane, the only plane in the sky. I ordered that, and um, I'm about finished with it. But boy, that is a ooh, kind of a yeah, mind blower. The whole thing. It, it, can you can you like read it for very long? Can you read it for more than an hour? Oh no, I, I take it in small doses yeah. because. Uh, yeah. I think if I took the whole thing, I would OD and die. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Just thinking about 9-11 and all, I mean, having lived through it like everybody else, and my wife and I sitting on the sofa from the time the second plane hit the tower, and I looked at her and I said, we're being attacked. And she said, uh, yep. From that yeah. moment, the yeah. entire that entire day sitting in front of CNN, the whole day, and just absorbing and seeing people jumping out of the towers because they were on fire. All that stuff scarred my brain forever. And I told somebody yesterday, I said, you know, I thought that that was the single worst thing that I would live through. And then 2020 came, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, but it's hard to, it's hard to say. Now it's, it's hard to now narrow it's, 2020 it's down choice. to a single yeah. thing. No, it's not. It's just the whole year. Um, but, you know, we don't have to worry about it because Donald Trump said that the virus is not real. Oh, wait a minute. He got it. Never mind. Um, uh, yeah, that's my political statement of the day. You got to do something, right? Got to get political even though I, I try yeah, not man. to. I try I not think to. I'm gonna have an, I think I'm going to get another beer since everybody's got Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to do that I'm too when, while Jim... Goes ahead with his list. I'm waiting on Pat to start drinking. He's only not drinking so far to make me look bad. Well, well, if it wasn't for that, he'd be he'd be <laughs> drinking with both damn hands, just yeah. like I do. With both God. hands, yeah. <laughs> So right, if, it'll that, make you, if it'll make you feel better, I'll go get it. It'll one, make me feel better if you have yeah. <laughs> All right, is that me and I'm up? Yeah. yeah, it is. All right, since we're doing guitars today, my, my list is guitar-centric. Uh, my, rec my record is a Jimi Hendrix record that came out. It's a, one of the posthumous collections, but it's just called Blues. <coughs> and it showcases a bunch of Hendrix playing the blues it is fantastic just straight it's, blues it's it's blues blues rock you know just it it's it's just more righteous guitar playing uh as opposed to some of the song oriented stuff it starts right. out with him playing uh hear my train a coming on an acoustic 12 string which is which is terrific it was in a it was in a movie well, remember the that, name of the movie. That made the hair on the back of my neck stand up just hearing you describe it. And then it's got yeah. a great extended instrumental version of Born Under a Bad Sign. Uh, it's just it's just terrific. Uh, a lot of stuff was unreleased or hard to get when it came out. And so Jimi Hendrix Blues is my record. Uh, my book is called Clapton's Guitar. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's by Alan St. John and it really has very little Eric Clapton in it. It's really about this guy, Wayne Henderson. Okay. Who's a guitar builder. And uh, the author kind of uh, goads him into building a guitar for Eric Clapton, but that has, that's really not what the, what the, the book is about. It's really about craftsmanship and how 
um, you know, how incredibly detailed building a guitar by hand, every single piece by hand is. It talks about the different wood choices. It talks about how he puts it together. And it's not really even for, I mean, people who play guitar, I think will enjoy it a lot. But even if you don't, just the story of someone who is one of the best craftsmen in the world of his type is 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 really engaging book. It's called Clapton's Guitar, uh, and my movie is called It Might Get Loud. Uh, <laughs> yes, a yes. terrific a terrific guitar movie starring uh, Jack White, The Edge, and Jimmy Page. Wow, and love it. It, so interest, interesting selection of cross-section yeah. guitar players. It really is, you know, and I was lucky enough to see it when it came out in the theater. Um, but it's it's a kind of a love letter to guitar, and it's a it's an interest, like you said, Billy. It's an interesting kind of three generations of guitarists. Well, and and all those guys are are, you know, such phenomenally good guitar players, but yeah. their styles are so so different they, they're, yeah. they're they're very different and i mean there's and the, there's there's some great scenes in the movie there's and the some... very the very first scene in the movie is jack building an electric guitar before your eyes yeah in with, two minutes yeah with a with one string and a pickup and yeah. it's a, it's 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 it, and, and two of my favorite scenes one of them is that, that jimmy page is in his room with his stereo with all these records and he pulls out the 45 of Rumble by Link Ray and puts it on. And you can, even all these years later, Jimmy Page is just transfixed by that record. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. can see how it shaped so much of his life. That's a great scene. Then there's another scene at the end that they're all playing together. And, you know, this movie, if you don't respect Edge as a guitarist, I think will go a long way. I, I, very, I very much respect. Which is funny because I don't even particularly like that band or their music. Yeah. But but I mean, not that there's anything wrong with their music; it's just not my style. But I very much respect him as a guitar player. But but uh, old Dave Evans, which is the Edge's birth name, um, not only holds his own, but also you can see how genius he was and still is in using effects to make sounds that contribute to U2's overall sound. Yeah. And you know, it was funny. I was I was reading an interview with a with a studio guitarist who was pretty active in the in the in the 80s named Tim Pierce who played on uh Don't Dream It's Over. He played on that big Goo Goo Dolls hit Iris. And he said he would go in and one of the first things he'd think of is what would the edge do here? Right. This is a guy with monster chops, but he thought of the song What Would the Edge Do Here? And then the other scene is just the three of them jamming, and there's a, there's a little shot where Jack White and the Edge both kind of look at each other out of the side of their eyes with these smiles on their face, saying, "Can you believe that we're jamming Jimmy Page?" <laughs> Jimmy it's, Page, right? It's just it, fantastic. What's, what's the name of What's the name of the movie again? The movie is called "It Might Get it Loud." Might get loud. Terrific, terrific movie. So those are my is, picks. Isn't it the weight that they're uh, jamming out on toward the end of the movie? It could be. I haven't. What? It's been a while since I've seen it. They play. They play a couple. I mean, Jimmy Page pulls out his old Dan Electro in Dan right. Gad tuning and starts playing uh, Cashmere, right. and it's just like whoa. What, 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 like, what song did you say you thought they were done on, on Pat? I thought it was the Waits by the band. By the band? Yeah. I see. I don't remember. Yeah, uh, that I, would I make it even more interesting. <laughs> 
but uh, but it's for, for those of you who are not guitar players when jim says dad gad that's that's an open tuning right. yeah it's a it's a it's a yeah it's and it's what he played uh you know the classic uh cashmere and and uh it's just it's just really cool it's a very very cool movie yes it is something Love else it. to find man you're up, you're up all right i had to write that movie down you say it's called yeah, it might get loud watch it this week. yeah yeah all right i've got to i got to hear that one now or see that one i pulled uh, it out because i'm gonna i'm gonna think i'm gonna watch it again <laughs> you can rewatch it when we're done dating. well that's funny because uh my movie right this week here. is one that i that i went back and rewatched. I, I looked for this movie when i was in college we had it on vhs and that's where i first saw it and then all of a sudden I couldn't find it anywhere and uh, turns out that the some independent record company had put it out uh, on a CDR that if you bought it they would print them up on demand or something but anyway I ended up getting it all off of YouTube for goodness sakes anyway it's a 1982 movie called Erg, a musical war, a British film called Erg, and uh, like I said in college, it just deeply affected my roommates and I. I mean, to the point where there's a guy on there named John Cooper Clark who does an acapella song called Health Fanatic, and we all had that memorized. <laughs> and there were times we would go to have dinner uh, in the cafeteria. Because we have lunch and dinner and lived on campus and we'd go to have dinner and we would have all ingested a few beers by then. And I remember one of the guys, one of my friends would just jump up and stand on the table. There's two things he would do when he stood on the table. He would do either the monologue from Airplane where the guy goes, check it, bleed, a bro was on and the people's was freaking that whole thing. Or he would do, uh, John Cooper Clark, Clark, round the clock, round the clock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tick tock, running out of because that was, I mean, we just thought it was hilarious. But, of course, the film, the concert, it, it, there's no explanation, there's no talking, it's just concert footage of new wave punk, punk and post punk bands, including the Go Go's back when they were punk, the police back when they were young and vibrant before they became, you know, pop stars or whatever. Toya Wilcox, the band X with Xene and all, I just love them. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, XTC, another band I love. The Cramps, another band I love. Devo, yeah, okay. Dead Kennedys, Gang of Four, another band that I love. And Gary Newman and UB40. Uh, man, that movie just changed my life forever. Like I said, John Cooper Clark was one of the highlights. And another one was this friend of David Bowie's named Klaus Nummy with white pancake makeup and all. But he sang in a very operatic style. And he does a song on there called Total Eclipse. This just, I don't know. I'd never seen or heard anything like it. I mean, I, I was born in Spartanburg, grew up in Welford, South Carolina. We didn't have that. Right. We didn't have Klaus Nomi's. We, we didn't have that kind of stuff in Polk County, Texas. No, we didn't. We didn't no, have you, that, man. And to discover you, you that had, it was had, uh, 
it was so weird. You know, college, I learned, uh, you know, like Springsteen said, I learned more from a three-minute record baby than I ever learned in school. I learned a lot in college, but I learned more from my roommates because several of them, you know, one of them had already attended UGA and gotten exposed to uh, great actors' movies, and he turned me on to everything of Sam Shepard, Peter O'Toole, the stuntman, all those movies, and right. uh, Dustin Hoffman. We would have film festivals on the weekend. We'd have an all Dustin Hoffman day and play Little Big Man, etc., or uh, Marathon Man, and then we would have a, the same thing with Peter O'Toole. And then when we had the musical one, we played Erg and um, several other films like that, the uh, Sex Pistols movie, um, all kinds of stuff. Man, it's great. So anyway, Erg, a musical said. war is too is too cool, and you can get most of it. You have to download the individual tracks on YouTube, but you can still uh, get it and see it and blah, 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 blah. Got to uh, dispute something you said right there about you're not growing up with any Klaus Nomis. You did. They were just Klausited. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, I have a pain in my eye. What was that I was saying? I was saying earlier, just when you thought you couldn't get any lower. <laughs> Thanks, folks. Thanks that is a great pick, though. I've had that uh, soundtrack on vinyl since about the time it came out. So that's Yeah, it was a great soundtrack. And uh, I played that one. And, and Jim, do you remember, uh, do you ever get an album called Propaganda? I've got it. Various yeah. artists. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, that's another great one. Joe Jackson. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff, man. I love that stuff. The, uh, and on a whole completely different trajectory, my record, I just got this week and I was just thrilled when I got this box that weighed like six pounds in the mail. And it's a box set, um, of eight CDs and 128 page album size book bobby bear sings shell silverstein it's uh, uh so so it's kind of like a compilation of most of bobby bear's albums yeah well everything everything that shell ever wrote that he recorded uh, 137 tracks yeah and that's pretty good he's bobby's 85 years old and he just uh the book has a brand new interview there in go. there where he talks about shell and everything and then the biographer had um, a real, real, real good, deep story about Shel Silverstein. These are two guys that probably should have never even worked together, much less be friends. They're two totally right. different kinds of guys. And, but and they were. the way they collaborated for so many years. Yeah, know? and it all happened because Bobby Bear heard the record by Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show sylvia's mother and he said i'd yeah, like to record he, that he, he, who wrote that yeah and he, yeah right so anyway he went on in this album it's, of course it's got them all marie laveau and the wonderful soup stone and the, the hit that he had with his son when his son was just a kid called daddy what if a tearjerker i mean a serious tearjerker but shell was just amazing i mean it's like he uh one of the most prolific songwriters Sadly, uh, died of a brain aneurysm. Uh, it's strange because his wife died of a brain aneurysm. And a little bit later, his daughter died of a brain aneurysm. And then he had one died. But 
Wow. That was a great talent, and uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty sad story, but uh, all the stories and photos and all this huge book and uh, uh, man, I tell you, there's so many. There's not a bad, really a bad song in the whole thing. There's so many. You know, I also have the uh, the bat the. Ballad of Brian Hennessy, he's one of the very yeah. best songs. He I've also ever wrote heard. all the songs for the Old Dogs, which was uh, Old Dogs was uh, uh, Waylon, Jerry Reed, and Mel Tillis, and who's the other one? Uh, Bobby Rob Bear. Here at one point. <laughs> yeah, Old Dogs. Uh, they did two albums, and um, those were some hilarious songs too. But you know. Of course, Shell. I'm writing an article for the New Kudzu about Shell because I've just been sort of in a celebrate Shell moment, you know, because I had, I first heard his name when he was the cartoonist for Playboy, and I was just 16 years old, and, you know, I looked at the magazine just for the cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I told my mom. And... um so he was right. cartooning in that, and then he was writing oh, screenplays. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he was writing screenplays and um, songs and uh, just everything in the world. I mean, just, uh, just oh, and the children's books. Dare I forget to mention the fact that he's one of the most celebrated children's authors ever with The Giving Tree and uh, Missing Peace and all those things. But anyway, Sean Silverstein. Mm -hmm. Bobby Bear sings Shel Now, completely on a to another totally different track. My book, my book has nothing to do with guitar players unless you include Lita Ford as a guitar player, and she is. But uh, this is uh, Sherry Curie's book, Cherry Bomb, My Life is a Runaway, and a really great rock and roll story uh, by Sheree um, who had an identical twin sister named Marie and uh, man there's so much in there She's, she grew up, she is forced to grow up way too fast and was raped at the age of 15 by one of her sister's friends and uh, she, a really detailed account of all that and then talked about when uh, uh, Kim Fowley <laughs> put the band together and they talk about she tells tells like it is about him that he was a abusive uh, just a mean person called them dogs called them dog shit called them you know it's just all the time just insulting and yelling and a, a drummer a drummer that me and uh that me and jim have worked with a guy named phyllis shea was uh in a 80s austin band that had uh Two female singers and they were they were kind of modeled out their band was called onyx and they were kind of modeled after the runaways and kim fowley signed them to a production deal and so uh i didn't ever meet him but i got to hear phil talk about him in that thing you're you're talking about what he would call him he referred he referred to the the women in the band as little doglets well, yeah, they, you know, they're, she was sixteen they're, years. They're, they're hot. She, they're hot little doglets. They were at a. They were yeah, at a he, big, he was a. He was a piece of crap. They were. They were doing <laughs> a big. Was. They were doing yes, a big show in Los Angeles, and uh, let's dig him up and make sure he's dead. 
Yeah. Just pick him up and hit him with the shovel that we use. <laughs> he, uh, uh, he was, they were playing in Los Angeles for one of the, one of the first really big gigs. And she don't say the name of this guy, but it was a little bit older guy that was a pop star. She said she'd seen him on the cover of 16 magazine, all this kind of stuff. But Kim came over to her after the concert and told her that she was going home with this guy. She's 16. And she's like, I don't want to. And she, I don't care what you want, dog. You got to, you know, you got to do what I say. Little doglet. And she goes, well, that's, how am I going to get home? And he goes, after a couple hours, I'll come by and pick you up. Well, it was a lie. So she went to this pop star's house and she said it blew her mind to go into his bedroom and see that the uh, he had white silk sheets and all over the walls were pictures of himself. <laughs> Posters and all this kind of stuff. And he talk, she talks about how, you know, he just, all he wanted was to have sex with her. And he did. And then Kim came finally to pick her up at like 7 in the morning and said, did you have fun? <clears throat> She's like, no. <laughs> so anyway, she went through quite a bit of... Um, between the age of 15 and 21 and ended up getting, um, she ended up getting married and having a happy life. And her sister Marie married Steve Lukather from Toto. So they had a, there you go, the Toto, Toto and the Runaways. Never seen on a Co-Bell, by the way. I, I, one quick thing about Cherie Curry, because this just happened to me this week. She's got a new song out, and it's a cover of a really obscure 80s new wave song called uh, What Do All the People Know by a band called the Monroes, and she oh, just yeah. kills it. It is I've actually heard that it song. Awesome. Yeah, I bet she, I bet she does kill she that. So she's, so, I, can't, I, awesome. I, I had no idea she still had was recording in it. Yep, it was awesome. It was really, really good. Yeah, well, you, well, speaking of 80s, there's a... Um, a girl that I always loved her voice, uh, Patty Smythe, with a scandal and uh, scandal. married to John McEnroe. <laughs> yeah, shooting at the walls of heartache, bang bang. Well, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Warrior <laughs> and uh, the first time I saw her was uh, the Goodbye to You video, oh, which yeah. had on the red yeah, dress. Right. Yeah, but uh, punk, punk, pop. She's got her first Rob album coming out in 28 years. Wow. And uh, I heard uh, I heard some of it, and it sounds really good. But anyway, that's uh, that's my my list. And uh, we're going to take a break and play a song. And when we come back, we're going to talk about guitar players. One of my favorite subjects. Um, so going into it here, I'm going to play one of, one of the guitar players that I really admire. A guy by the name of... Let me make sure I got this right. Yeah, I want to make sure I'm in the right order. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play one by uh, Martin Opfler, Dire Straits. And as, as much as I love his fast guitar stuff, I love the very moody guitar on this song, Brothers in Arms. So mm -hmm. I'm going to play that one, and then we're going to be back with the rest of our show. So... Stick around, thanks.
These mist-covered mountains Are home now for me But my home is the
That, of course, was the fantastic Mark Knopfler <laughs> on guitar and vocals in his band, Dire Straits. One of my all-time favorite songs, Brothers in Arms. It, to me, it has a the same appeal of some of the best Pink Floyd kind of songs. The guitar is just uh, it's magic. Well, speaking of guitars, we're going to talk about our favorite guitar players. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go first. Because that way people can't people can't, can't say, "Hey, you picked uh, you picked the same one." I, did. I bet some of us will overlap, and that's fine. Do not We're panic. We're almost certainly going to overlap. It's going to overlap, but but I, hey, I was in a quandary. Uh, <laughs> my brain is messing with me. I wanted to make a joke about a coin laundry when I said quandary. Why? Why? Why would I do that? Uh, I wanted uh, to put Toy Caldwell you, or Dickie Betts and pip, some of my Southern Rock people in there, but it just only one of my Southern Rock people made the list because I love Southern Rock, but but I love all this. You know, I wanted to put Chet Atkins in my list, but I only had five. I wanted to yeah, put Django, that, that Django was, Reinhardt in my list, but I only that was had five. I got into as well. Yeah. So my number five, I just had to go by guitar players who have affected my life. Okay. My very life. And my okay. number five affected my very life when he put three albums out in the early 70s back to back. His name is Johnny Winter. Still alive and well, followed by Saints and Sinners, followed by John Dawson Winter III. This is when he was rocking. Later on in life, he decided that he was a old black blues man in a younger, very white body. <laughs> But he, he was uh, he's a great blues man, but he rocked it out on these things. Still alive and well, rock and roll hoochie-coo, stuff like that. Also on the blues, like Sweet great, Papa John. Great song, man. So we saw him the first time in 75. And uh, I would later find out that my the lady I ended up married to was at that same show. And we got to talking, and she was like, also standing up near the stage so it could be that we actually were shoulder to shoulder and wouldn't know for another 25 years it's kind of cool but johnny winter i love edgar and johnny but johnny um i just have nothing but happy i mean well i can't say i have nothing but happy memories i did have a kind of a negative experience before he cleaned up when he was still on heroin and all we were supposed to meet him at north myrtle beach after the uh, hall of um house of blues show and we were going to go on the bus and everything but after the third song it was so pitiful it was breaking our hearts and we both just left and just left the show and everything because he, he wasn't able to play and about a year later we saw him again and he was had gotten clean and he was back at his best you know he was doing great so i love johnny winter number five number four 
another man that has just completely blows my mind on guitar named David Gilmore. And David Gilmore, oh, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> if he had never done anything besides Shine On Crazy Diamond, that would be okay with me. Shine On Crazy Diamond, the guitar work, especially on the live version on the Pulse, Pink Floyd Pulse album, which was the same tour that I saw Pink Floyd in Clemson. Um, yeah, Shine On Crazy Diamond, Comfortably Numb, and of course Wish You Were Here. Those are my top three that, that he did, but there was so much more. David Gilmore at number four. Number three, Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. Played one of the songs, Brothers in Arms, but I'm still a huge fan. You know, Sultans of Swing was a, just a top ten song, but I still get excited by that song because, I mean, it's just so good. Uh, that damn, those two guitar breaks, the one in the middle. Oh, it's the just one amazing guitar. Yeah. And we had um, we had the Buffalo Hut Coalition back in the 80s, and Greg Erie was playing guitar. He would play that thing note for note. I just played rhythm. Uh, had to play Playing a note rhythm for... to that song is hard. Oh, oh, you better believe it. Everything Martin <laughs> Offler did is, you know, it's not just your regular chords. Um, but, yeah, Telegraph Road, I love... Uh, He's so damn smooth, man. I yeah, mean, smooth. Just, I mean, and, and I love for, his for the notes he plays. It, it just, I mean, it's, he's he's a seamless guitar player. It's just anyway, amazing. He is amazing. My yeah, number two, and I I feel just terrible guilt in saying his name <laughs> and number two when it should be number one, but you can only have one number one. Uh, James number one. Marshall Hendrix. Uh, Jimmy yeah, he, playing the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock. Come on. With the bombs dropping and everything. Voodoo Child Slot Return never gets old for me. And a song that we're going to play at the end of this show, which I had to dig to find. I saw it in a movie or a documentary or something years ago. It's an acoustic version of his song called My Friend. And uh, when I was in college, the same guy was talking about Alan that would jump up on the table and do the monologues and stuff, was a great guitar player. And we had a 12-string guitar that belonged to somebody. And one night, he was playing this song by Hendrix, My Friend. And I thought it was the coolest thing I ever heard in my life. And then I found out it really wasn't available until... They put out the 50th anniversary Electric Ladyland box set, and as one of the bonus tracks, they had a demo, acoustic demo, which is uh, the only version that I've got. Of, I mean, that I've got of that song. Um, they did an electric version, but it wasn't quite as. I like the acoustic version a lot more. So what's weird is I'm gonna play that at the end of the show, and it's what's weird about it is he's such a great lead guitar player. But this is just him playing an acoustic guitar. It's not. I, I was I was about to uh, say uh, Buff and me and Jim have talked about this a lot. Uh, uh, he he was such an innovator, man, and such just a phenomenal lead player that I think his rhythm playing gets overlooked so much of the time. And if you want to hear just how damn good a rhythm guitar player he was, cue up "When Cries Mary." 
He doesn't yeah. do a lot of burning guitar in that, man. It, it's it, it's chord licks and good God, is that tasty and 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 subtle and full and and you know. And I listen to it and you know I'm a rhythm guitar player and I'm listening to that and I'm just like, you know, man, he should he should get two pedestals, one for all the hot lead stuff he did, but one for just his rhythm work was impeccable, man. I agree. I agree. I, and I will, uh, I will have more to say about that later in the program. Okay, okay. good. And, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, I studied Hendrix and read a lot of books about him and everything, but one of the things that got me was the size of the man's hands and when he would cord and he would wrap his thumb around and use it on the low E string. I'm yeah, like, he, he oh, had my like gosh. Balls, right? <laughs> Fingers that just went on forever. Uh, anyway, uh I'll, I'll, I'm not going to say what I started to say. Who's your Who's your number one? Because I'm, I'm interested. I I have a ge- I I have a guess. That, that Jim Hippet. No, no, he should have been. <laughs> but no, it is brother Dwayne Allman. That was who I thought you were <laughs> yeah. going to pick. I had that one. Uh, yeah, one way out. Uh, live at the Fillmore. Yeah, uh, the entire Layla and other love songs album. Uh, Especially you know, a, a, another guy that was just for his slide work and his lead work, but again, man, great rhythm player, great just all around guitar player, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, some of my favorites, but with Dwayne, of course, pretty much any of the old Almond stuff, and then the Layla album. And then, uh, I love what he did when he first got signed to Fame Records. The first thing he cut with Wilson Pickett when he did the Hey Jude. And it has the lead trailing out at the end, the slide and all, and uh, uh, I hadn't heard anything that, to beat that. Also, when he uh, he cut uh, Loan Me a Dime with Boz Skaggs, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful. He was all over Who's so many really records. Guitar player. So many records in such a short lifetime. And it's just, you know, like you, like you guys know, I did... My latest book is about the Almond Brothers, and I studied. Um, I know you've written a lot about it. Yeah, I, well, studied all the albums that he played on that short period of time at Fame. It, just so much. Golly, I have no. But my number one is Dwayne Almond. That's right, baby. Scott, Scott that wraps up my 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 five. I think Billy Eli should go next. Man, I actually I actually made a list again, and uh. Well, you're getting you know, you're getting dependable. Yeah, I know. Two weeks in a row. So, but hey, but don't get used to it. Yeah, that's right. Man, I went I went a different way. I I made uh, what I, what I kind of did was I made two lists and I sort of split the difference between the between the two. And I I my list was uh, guitar innovators. Uh. You know, kind of guys that, that 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 did something that was new, or or you know, did something old in a new way. Oh yeah, that looks good. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I wish I had two of them. <laughs> um. Anyway, so um, and then my other list was uh ensemble guys because you know, I mean, I'm an ensemble musician I, I i prefer to work in a, in a group of people that i with a group of people that i've worked with a lot and we all know how we all know each other's strengths and 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 so I, 
my list was part of that. I'm going to start out with an innovator, though, Link Ray, which is funny because Jim mentioned him earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, he did what? Rumble and then Ramble and then um, and the Ray Mint. And that was before Guitar Heroes existed. There, you know, he, he, he didn't have a, there wasn't a, he was sort of a prototype. There wasn't, he didn't have a, a guitar hero rock star to follow. And you listen to the recordings that he made and, you know, some of that stuff is, it's just so simple, but that tone and he was playing what, like a Dan Electro, like the Longhorn or what, you know, it's uh I've always I've always found it uh, real impressive people that forge something when there's not when there was not anything to look at, you know. I mean, uh, guitar playing before that, when you thought of hot guitar players, and you thought of guys like Chet Atkins, who certainly is a hot innovative guitar wasn't hot innovative guitar player, or uh, Les Paul, or guys like that. And then you you had and uh, Lynn Gray when he, he was when he from North Carolina something like that yeah and he i mean you know and, and there he's you know he's working in my houses and juke joints and 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 just it, it to me it kind of set the tone for what rock and roll guitar was gonna turn into okay and i, I didn't i didn't rank these in any particular order uh for ensemble guys and this was funny because he came up in one of Jim's lists, the edge from you too. And, and as I said earlier, I've never owned, I've never owned one of their albums. I mean, I, I didn't dislike their stuff. It just wasn't, it wasn't anything I bought, but I mean, they were, you know, in the eighties and the nineties, they were everywhere. You couldn't help but hear them. And he was a guy that was just the perfect guitar player for the band he was in. And that, that band, it, it, if you take him out and you put in, you know, a m- more of a guitar hero kind of guy, Jimmy Page, you know, put Jimmy Page in there, it'd still be great. But it wouldn't be you too. It would be something different. And and he and he was central to. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't leave him out of that mix and, and roll a different style guitarist in there any more than you could leave uh, Bono out and and have it be the same band. It just wouldn't work. And um, okay, and my my uh, third guy is a uh, also an ensemble player, and it's Mike Campbell from Tom Petty's band. And I know all of us are Tom Petty fans, and I know Jim and Patrick are like me; they're real, real Tom Petty fans, and. You listen back from like those first couple of albums to where they were at the end, and man, wasn't it great? When you look, when you listen to those, like every third album chronologically, isn't it great to hear him get better and better and tastier and better? And you know, I mean, he can always play, and he's been he's playing, and it's great. And you're, you're listening to him do Breakdown or American Girl, and you're like, yeah, man, hot, hot, great stuff. Then it, you know, and then the, the last third of the of that run, you know, you hear him doing, uh, the, you know, stuff like uh, "Last Dance with Mary Jane" or or uh, "Wildflowers." It's like, wow, just wow, man. He he was already good, and he just continued to get more good. 
and he perfectly morphed with that band as it went through stage after stage after stage. And again, I, uh, that, that particular group of musicians, I think, uh, is really rare and something of an anomaly that except for Stan Lynch, who, who they got rid of, they, they all seem to kind of evolve together onto the next phase at the same time. It, I think I mean, Stan Lynch got rid of them. Well, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and I'm not going to get into that because he's one of my favorite drummers of all time. Uh, probably my second favorite after Charlie Watts and Oh, I'm sorry. The phenomenal Charlie Watts. But what I but what I meant is that was a band that as they went through their phases, they all they the most of them as a group, just they they all evolved at the same time. It seemed like you know it wasn't it wasn't a thing where the band split apart because well the singer the songwriter evolved and the rest of the band didn't and and uh. You know, which kind of happened to the Beach Boys, which was why the Beach Boys later became Brian Wilson, and it, he was an entity there. And then the Beach Boys were kind of a band that he wasn't really even in anymore. You know, and 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 that was that that was that forking thing. But uh, so Mike Campbell, um, and the work that he's done with other uh, the work that he's done with other artists, and I'm, uh, you know, he wrote co-wrote uh boys of summer for don henley but i'm specifically thinking of that stuff he did with john prine on the missing years oh, that god that was such a good record man. um so uh there's three uh my my fourth one is another innovator guy dick dale yeah. and there were surf bands before and and you know and they were hot and there were hot surf instrumental guitar player guys, but I mean, man, he was on a, he, he just, he took that, he just took that somewhere else. <laughs> he, he, he hit a spot in the stratosphere that lots of people can't even see. And Jim, were you at, were you at that Dick Dale show at the maintenance shop? No, I was not. I was gone by then. It was so loud. <laughs> did, uh, did you ever see him play at the Continental? Nope. No, I never did. Um. Yeah, it was hot. <laughs> oh God, you know, and he was left-handed and played a a he just he he played a right-handed guitar that was strong right-handed. He played it upside down and backwards, and yeah. and, and uh, you know, and he does miserably, of course, because he has to do that. And even after having heard it and heard it and heard it, and you're watching him do it, man, and your brain just kind of falls out of your head on the floor. You know? uh, and and that song apparently is based on a Lebanese uh, folk. Yeah, song. it's like a traditional. It's like like a traditional Lebanese or folk song or Greek yeah. folk song or yeah. Yep. Yep. But uh, my my and uh, like I said, I didn't rank these in order. These were in no particular order. My fifth one. Uh, Glenn Kim. And I saw him live a couple of times. And it was funny, a lot of times in his live shows, you know, he'd take a he'd take some solos, but he wouldn't he wouldn't shred. He always be he always had a good lead player with him that he mostly let carry the show. And he'd take a little single note solo. And 
I knew he'd played on all, all the, you know, a lot of those pop records and he was part of the wrecking crew and, and, um, and all that stuff. And you listen to that and it's like, yeah. And I heard him do a single note thing. So yeah, man, you know, he's okay. But I, I mean, I'm not getting what the big deal is. And then when YouTube happened and then there was all this stuff you could go and, and check out and it was things of his that I had never heard. And, um, there's a, there is a video on YouTube of him doing one of the Nashville now programs. Uh, and they, uh, he plays gentle on my mind and he, you know, he's singing it. It's a songwriter presentation thing. He gets to the break and he says, I'm going to play one. And my God, just, I mean, just, I don't, I don't know how anybody could play that because I don't know how anybody could hear that. To play it, you know, I, I mean, can't even, just like, I can't he, even hear that fast. Right, right. Well, it's not even <laughs> fast. I can't even. It's not the speed. It's just the stuff he played. I would have never heard that given that piece of music. And uh, and it, it's funny because it's Chet Atkins and Jerry Reed and all these red hot Roy Clark and all these guys on this, you know, and, and there are all these red hot players and he finishes his solo and they all start to clap. Man. I mean, it is an amazing solo and it's, he did a really cool thing. He made a very busy solo sound not busy and it, it seemed like it fit perfectly. So uh, that's my pick, Link Ray, uh, The Edge, Mike Campbell, Dick Dale, and Glenn Campbell. Yeah, good list. Like it. Excellent. Like it. Excellent. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and um, just do Patrick next. Yes, um, my first one. These are not in order, and my only criteria were trying to mention people I hadn't or hadn't much before. So, no Bob Mold, no Tom Morello, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And just while we were talking, uh, I thought back to uh, John Fahey you know one of the original instrumental americana artists before there was such a genre as americana right before it existed <laughs> yeah so uh if if uh, people out there aren't familiar with john fahey he's well worth a listen but moving right along my first pick is somebody who's kind of obvious and somebody who's kind of not at the same time and that's mike mccready from pearl jam he takes uh the majority of the solo space in that band but him and Stone Gossard go back and forth a little bit, and that's when it gets really, really interesting. Uh, it, it, he doesn't rely a whole lot on pedals, aside from his wah, and every time he takes one, it's just like, you know, hitting the gas on the song. You just want to keep it going and going and going. I love his playing. plays strats a lot, and uh, and also, of course, his 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 playing especially the solo style is blues based you listen to a song like yellow ledbetter i mean that sounds like a hendrix song to me it should have been a hendrix song i think he's terrific and like my mike campbell billy um every lick he takes is in service to the song right and, the, and and his fellow bandmates i mean right. yeah. it, it's in service sometimes to you know to, to the keyboard player to, to lay down something cool you know it's it right. sets it up right 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 uh, this next one is a good bit wonkier, but Jim turned me on to this guy about 150 years ago. Tom, <laughs> Tom Verlaine from television and mm -hmm. had uh, something of a solo career. 
it's never about service to the song with Tom Verlaine. It's, <laughs> it's about we're gonna have a, we're gonna have us a guitar workout. We're gonna have a guitar party. And he's a very very angular player. I just love his work and his tone. It's pretty clean. Was lucky enough to see him one time at Fun 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 Festival down on uh, Lady Bird Lake, and uh, that was sort of a lifelong dream that I thought would never be fulfilled. I just I long long loved his playing. He lives in London or somewhere in Europe, I believe now, and doesn't get out that much. So I feel very very fortunate to have seen him. Uh, related. Richard Lloyd, also an alum of television, and later played with Lou Reed, and later played with Matthew Sweets. Those two guitar players together on the two albums that television did. There's also a cassette-only live record there's uh, that somebody or other put out. I just love his playing. And unlike Verlaine, he was able to fit his style into other artists' songs very, very effectively. I can't imagine Girlfriend, uh, the Matthew Sweet record, without Richard Lloyd playing on it. I can't imagine some of those Lou Reed records without Richard Lloyd playing on it. And of course, I can't imagine those two television records without Richard Lloyd playing on them. Uh, I hate to do this to you, Jim, but you can't have Richard Thompson. <laughs> that's okay he is so incredible a powerful songwriter a, a perfectly fine uh, singer and a long estimable estimable enviable career but like Bob Mould said I listen to Richard Thompson play guitar and I think should I practice more or just quit he is the guitar player's guitar player and if you don't go see him every time he comes around, you're just stupid. Last, but most definitely not least, the most underrated guitar player in all of popular music, Malcolm Young. Good guitar player, man. Excellent, yeah. excellent rhythm player, man. Yeah. He's, a, he's a sneaky bastard. You know, he came up with some monster riffs and let his brother be the star and prance around stage in his shorts while he's just in a back there with his full stack saying, I came up with this lick. I came up with this lick that the whole band is playing and not getting any of the credit, not wanting any of the credit. And now, of course, he's dead. Those are my five. Y'all have uh, Hang on. Uh, before we go into Jim's list, man, I hate this. I'm going to leave the, I'm got to leave the meeting. I'm going to leave it open so y'all can finish uh, taping the podcast. I'll, Get in touch with all of y'all. I don't know in the next couple of hours, probably. Hey, for next week's show, and I, and this week's show gave me uh, a few ideas. We should do uh, instrumentals, top five instrumentals, not classical music. And you mean besides Pipeline? Yeah, right. Besides <laughs> that one, uh, or we could do that, or uh, top five best rhythm guitar players. Yeah, cause, okay. cause, cause we, cause man, everybody covers the guitar heroes, and I liked your choice of Malcolm Young. That was perfect. So, anyway, I'm out, uh, and I'll see all y'all next week. I'm leaving the, I'm leaving the meeting open so y'all can uh, finish the show. All right, and uh, man, it's been, it's been great. See y'all later, man. See you, man. All right, later. Well.
that's interesting. Um, uh, let's see. I did have something planned for next week, but I think we'll just go with his uh, his first one there. Uh, Instrumentals. Well, is that what it was? Instrumentals. Yep. Okay. All right. I'll save my other one for the next week. The, um, all right. All right, then. Okay, let's get Jim's guitar players. All right. All right. You're up. This was, this was virtually impossible for me to do in any way other than the way I thought of doing it because, I, you know, there's so many guitar players I love. I've been... I've been a guitar player for a long time. I'm not very good, but I'm very enthusiastic about it. And so, uh, so I've tried to figure out a way to, to, to do this that would make it manageable. And I decided to do it by genre in five genres as defined by me that I, that I have a favorite player in, uh, which, which avoids some of the problems because there's so many people that have been mentioned that I would want to mention. Uh, and I don't know if I could do it just in, you know, in rock or country or, or anything. I have to do it piece by piece. So I'm going to start out with rock. And this is my favorite guitarist, not who I think is the best, because if I had to pick a best rock guitarist, I probably would pick Jeff Beck, uh, because he is unbelievable uh, technique-wise, taste-wise, tone-wise. He's not strictly a rock player anymore. But, um, but anyway, my pick is not Jeff Beck. It is James Marshall Hendricks. Um, my, my favorite rock and roll guitarist of all time. And, you know, a little earlier we were talking about what a great rhythm player Hendrix was. And I was, I said, I'd talk more about that later. The greatest rhythm guitar player ever in my, in my view was Jimi Hendrix. And you could, he, he had so much soul and it came from playing, you know, he played with the Isleys. He played with a bunch of, uh, he, he, he backed up a lot of, of Southern soul acts uh, before he became Jimi Hendrix. And the way he uses double stops, the way he uh, comps, Wind Cries Mary, which Billy brought up is the perfect example. Uh, I mean, I, when I play rhythm guitar, I steal as much as I can from, from Jimi Hendrix and Keith Richards. Uh, but Hendrix is, is, is just my favorite uh, rock and roll player. So that, that leaves me off the hook for leaving out all of the great other great rock players that I'm not gonna mention. My next, Next, I figured I'll, I'll pick my favorite country player. And this was a close battle with, uh, you know, with, with several, several folks that I thought, hmm, is this guy my favorite? Is this person my favorite? Uh, but it comes down and it's narrowly edging out Clarence White is James Burton. Going old school uh, with James Burton. Uh, played just raunchy, great lead guitar on Dale Hawkins' cut of Susie Q. When James was, depending on what source you read, he was somewhere between 15 and 18 when he cut that. And it's just unbelievable that anyone could do that at that age. James Burton really penetrated my consciousness back in the late 70s or early 80s. There was a great, great AM oldie station out of Des Moines, Iowa that played 50 stuff, all rootsy rockabilly stuff, garage, you know, American garage rock, garage, you know, 60s garage rock. Um, but one day I was listening to it and Ricky Nelson's song, Hello Mary Lou came on. Mm -hmm. And I listened to the guitar break and I was like, holy cripes, that is unbelievably great. 
And it was James Burton, of course. That's where he really got first noticed was playing for, on all those Ricky Nelson sides. Ended up in Elvis's band for years and years and years. When Didn't Elvis he also was play doing with the Everly's? He, he played some with the Everly's. He played with, uh, you, you know, he was early in a very early incarnation of Emmy Lou Harris's hot band. Yeah. And he also toured with John Denver uh, because I guess that was probably pretty good money. But uh, the pride of Shreveport, Louisiana, he virtually invented chicken picking. Uh, and all of the great country guitarists that came after were all just trying to cop some of the magic that James Burton had. Still alive, uh, but uh, you know, James Burton's my pick for country. My next pick is going into a genre that I admire and I know something about, but not a lot, but I know enough to know who my favorite guitar player in that genre is, and that's jazz. And my favorite jazz player is a, is a cat named Jim Hall. And Jim Hall, um, if you... Jim Hall was, uh, he played with great people. He played with Bill Evans. He played with lots of folks. But Jim Hall was one of the first guys to have a, an, a small ensemble without a piano. You didn't need a piano when you had Jim Hall because he could chord, he could comp. He very, he's a quiet guy and understood the value of space. But he was also incredibly melodic and you know, he, he always said, you shouldn't play what's under your fingers. You should play what's in your head and figure out a way to get it uh, into your fingers, which is one of the hardest things to do. Uh, but he could do it effortlessly. And one of the great things about Jim Hall was that he played a lot of standards. But if you didn't know the melody to the standards, when Jim Hall would improvise, you would think that was the melody. He could construct these beautiful lyrical melodic passages often doing chord melody with three and four note chords that were just incredible I, I i saw i got to see jim hall a couple of times in a very small place and it was just so impressive and so jim hall is my my, my favorite jazz guitarist uh and now i'm going to go to a genre that i kind of made up i just call shred guitar and this is you know, the post Eddie Van Halen, crazy chops guys. I call it shred guitar. You know, some of, you can think of it as neoclassical, but not everyone's neoclassical, like Ingve J. Malmsteen, who we have to be sure to call Ingve J. To, so we won't get him confused with all the other Ingve Malmsteens. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but, but it's not all neoclassical. Neo and my favorite shred guitarist is not in the neoclassical tradition, but he has unbelievable chops can play anything and it's a guy named Paul Gilbert. Paul Gilbert had a band called Racer X and then he was then he started a hyper chops super group of types with Billy Sheehan on bass who's another super chops guy called Mr. Big and uh they had a as as those bands did back in the day they had a uh, I think they had a power ballad that was a big hit but uh they had a great song that his his Playing is kind of encapsulated. There's a song called Green Tinted 60s Mind, where he's just got this lick that is just super chops, but also super melodic. The guy is more on the pop side of things, uh, and that's what distinguishes him for me. And he's just a cool guy, too. He's a really, really cool guy, and he can play anything. Uh, and he also, like Jim Hall, knows how to construct chords and harmony and things like that. And so he's a, he's a terrific player. Uh, so that's Paul Gilbert. My last one, I'm really going out on a limb for a genre because there's only two people in this genre that I've ever really listened to seriously. Uh, and that's flamenco. 
Um, I thought about doing electric blues, but that's impossible. Today, my favorite electric blues player is Albert King, who was Stevie Ray before Stevie Ray, but that's, it, it will change tomorrow. So I'm not even gonna go there. But flamenco, I've listened to Paco de Lucia, who's considered maybe the best flamenco player ever, and Carlos Montoya. And I'm going with Carlos Montoya because I saw him one night in 79 or 80 in a 1500 seat theater with just him and a nylon string guitar and it was captivating. It was unbelievable how great he was. My understanding is that some of flamenco purists are not huge fans of his because he messed with tempos, which is something you're not supposed to do in flamenco. You're supposed to keep that because it's because it's to dance. It's, it's vocals, dance, and guitar all together and, and, percu and percussion. And you're not supposed to mess with the tempo. He did, but to me, it made him more expressive. And uh, he was actually a big influence on Eddie Van Halen, believe it or not. Uh, some of, some of the stuff that Carlos Montoya did. So uh, that is my, uh, that's my five, uh, genre by genre. I feel bad about having to leave some folks out, but uh, but that's how I approached it. So there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, buddy guy, buddy guy uh, just called me and said, you deeply hurt his feelings saying, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, buddy guy, he called me too. Um, well, that's great. Well, all right, guys. I guess that wraps it up. It's uh, we're gonna go with Billy's thing for next week. Um, our favorite instrumentals. That should be interesting. Any, uh, I suppose, any genre, anything instrumental, kind of leaves it wide open. We'll do it. All right. Well, uh, so anyway, well, uh, guys, appreciate you doing the show again. It was great, great fun. And, uh, Thanks, boss. Enjoyed it. Thank you. We're going to sign off with a track, uh, kind of a rare track from Jimi Hendrix playing acoustic guitar, a song called My Friend. And we'll see everybody back next week. Take care, guys. Thanks. All right. Be good. See you. stomach squeal just a little more a stagecoach full of feathers and footprints pulls up to my soul box door a lady with a pearl handle necktie tied to the driver's fence breathe out and bourbon and coke possess words have I seen you somewhere in hell or was it just an accident Before I could ask, was it the east or west side? My feet, they howled in pain. The wheels of a bang wouldn't cut very deep, but not as deep in my mind as it rained. As they pulled away, I could see her words stagger and fall on my muddy tent. I picked them up, brushed them off, just to see what they said. They said, Come around to my room with a tooth in the middle And bring along a bottle and a president hmm. Sometimes it's not so easy Especially when your only friend Fills and locks, fills and talks like you And you do the same just like him
bicycle built for fools. I seen one of my old buddies. He say, I don't look like I used to do. I say, well, some people look like a coin box. He said, look like you ain't got no coins to spare. I just picked up my pride from underneath the payphone and combed his breath right out of my hair. But sometimes it's not so easy, especially when you're only friend. Talks, feels, looks like you, and you do just the same as him. I just got out of Scandinavian jail And I'm on my way straight to you But I feel so dizzy I take a quick look in the mirror To make sure my friend's here with me too And you know I don't drink coffee So you fill my cup full of sand But the frozen TV's at the bottom Cherry lipstick around a broken edge And my coat that you let your dog lay by the fire on your cat here attacks me from his pillbox ledge. I thought you were my friend too. My shadow comes to line before you. <clears throat> and sometimes it's not so easy, especially when you're only friend. Feels, talks, looks like you, and you feel on top just like him. Especially when your only friend feels, looks, talks just like you, and you feel talk the same as him. Yeah, yeah, that was Jimi Hendrix, the great, great Jimi Hendrix, and uh, there were so many wonderful electric rocking songs that Hendrix uh, recorded it was almost impossible to pick one to play so I jumped back and I remember when I was in college my friend Alan Heverin uh, played an acoustic version of a song uh, of the of the song my friend and uh, I thought it was wonderful so I I just recently found an, a copy of it on the a 50th anniversary box set of Electric Ladyland. It's got like three CDs, and they had this as they call it a uh, they call it an acoustic demo. But uh, yeah, what a great song that is. There's no showboating guitar playing, but it's Jimmy playing acoustic. And there's only just a, two or three videos out there of him playing acoustic guitar and. Uh, uh, you know, he could do that just as well as he played his electric, so it's wonderful. But anyway, uh, we want to thank our sponsors uh, for the uh, Kudzu Radio Hour. Uh, our sponsors include the Boxmasters, uh, the band the Boxmasters from Los Angeles. And uh, they have a new album coming out soon called Light Rays. And it's got, uh, it's had four singles off of it so far. The latest one is called Learn to Be. It's a really good song. 
in my opinion it's the band's best album yet uh, it's going to be available soon on CD vinyl and downloads and also they want us to know that they're planning to do the rescheduled summer tour that had to be canceled because of COVID so next summer uh, if all goes our way there's going to be a tour by the Boxmasters in the United States and in Europe um, I know the guys are chomping at the bit to play for you and uh, they really enjoy the music and they're prolific uh, songwriters and performers so it's a great band um, look forward to all that keep up with them and read more about them at theboxmasters.com and be sure to follow the Boxmasters on Facebook and Instagram I think the Instagram handle is uh, the Boxmasters official because I think there's an old account too but the one with official on it is the one that you want also the program is brought to you by Springer Mountain Farms if you like chicken you're gonna love Springer Mountain Farms fresh chicken responsibly raised on family farms with no antibiotics no hormones no steroids no animal bra products no junk ever ever just uh, the best chicken that you can that you can buy get for more information on it or order and have it delivered to your door you can do that too at springermountain.com at springermtn.com springer mountain farms chicken so good be sure to pick up the latest issue uh, or download or read online uh, issue number 39 of kudzu magazine uh, also be sure to visit the YouTube channel that I have now called ambassador of southern rock for interviews and we're going to have many more of those coming up um, should be cool should be cool anyway uh, thanks a bunch for tuning in I want to thank uh, Billy Eli Jim Hemphill and Patrick Beach for another show and we will see you guys next week thank you so much y'all take care of one another <laughs>